haven't heard outrage about all the fentanyl that's come across the border that's killing Americans in record numbers. I don't hear... I don't hear outrage about the criminal aliens that have gotten through and have then victimized people, not only in Florida, but all throughout the country. I didn't hear any outrage about that. The only thing I hear them getting upset about is you have 50 that end up in Martha's Vineyard. Then they get really upset. And I'm sorry. Chris, how's it going? going well man another day in paradise down the eyes crossing the t's you know living that regular life you sound incredibly excited i'm just tired man you can probably tell there's uh there's 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 excitement in my voice because of uh energy levels but i feel like i'm kind of flat but i'm happy to be here on the podcast i would say this is probably the highlight of my day doing doing the podcast always adds more energy to my day i'll say that well, I'm glad to hear that. Mm. Um, I thought we'd start off today's podcast talking about uh, Florida being in the national news uh, for almost a week now with Ron DeSantis's uh, migrants to Martha's Vineyard stunt. And uh, for those of you who don't know, who don't watch the news, uh, Ron DeSantis used some federal COVID funds to uh, ship some asylum seekers from Texas to Martha's Vineyard as a means to cleverly troll in the most cruel way possible the residents of Martha's Vineyard and the uh, national liberal population as a whole. So Chris, I was wondering, I'm sure you've, you've heard about it. What do you think about it? I think, you know, DeSantis, he is, he is a troll for sure for what he did. Um, but come on, how cool is that? You get some people from Texas who are already here. They were already in the asylum process. And he's like, hey, guys, we're going to get you some jobs in Martha's Vineyard. Some McDonald's Actually, gift certificates. Yes, McDonald's. Even He gave them Chick-fil-A gift certificates. He's like, listen, you guys are going to go to Martha's Vineyard. You guys are also, also going to meet Martha Stewart. Some of them didn't know who that was. <laughs> but uh, And they get there. There are no jobs, like he promised. There's no housing, which is really messed up, you know. So he flew them from San Antonio to Crestwell, Florida. And there's something very funny about Crestwell, Florida that I'll mention later. To South Carolina, all the way to Martha's Vineyard on a chartered plane. Thank you. That is right. You're right. And which is, I would say that's probably the nicest part of this whole story. They got to be <laughs> yeah, in a private, private plane. Jet, yeah. <laughs> Would you like champagne? Plane. Would you he's like giving them champagne and warm nuts? Like, yeah, warm nuts. There you I go. Don't, cashews, I don't really fuck cashews. with warm nuts. I I've gotten them a couple of times on, not I've never I've only flown business class by mistake, um because they they bumped me and then I got another the next flight. That's boring. Anyway, uh yeah, Isaac it's, is better than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I have had warm nuts. I didn't even know uh, that was a thing. I didn't. I yeah, it's a thing that they do in first class. They give you warm nuts. I doubt that they gave these asylum seekers warm nuts. Um, but yeah, it's 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 the all the the outrage right now. It's all anybody can really talk about. And I'm pissed off first because it's incredibly cruel to play with people like that for a political stunt, um, unforgivable even. But it also pisses me off that the liberal reaction to Ron DeSantis' stunt is exactly what he wants. 
he wants this kind of attention. And so I I feel like they're giving him they're they're falling into the trap. And they're they're fantasizing now uh, uh, legal repercussions like oh we're gonna charge him for kidnapping you know Governor Newsom mentioned that now there's that uh, Democratic sheriff in Bexar Texas who's like we're gonna investigate uh, this political stunt and see if there's any criminality there and the thing is is that he's not going to jail he's they're not, not putting DeSantis in cuffs it, it's this liberal fantasy that's existed for over five years now with Trump you know, being convicted by Robert Mueller for, you know, being a Mancurian candidate or whatever. It's not going to happen. Everyone wants to relive the Nixon years. They want they want a guy to get impeached. Nixon was like broke at one point. That's why he did that Frost-Nixon interview because he needed money. You know, it's going to take a lot for a governor or president at this point in our history to get to that point where they're impeached, penniless, they're a they're a pariah, you know. You can't be a pariah if uh, you're on social media. I think about the thing about DeSantis is this. What's sad is like he doesn't he doesn't see like any like um, anything wrong with what he did whatsoever. He was in Bradenton, uh, which is a neighboring city to Sarasota, just the other day, and he was he was digging in deeper, digging in deeper. What he did was right. He proved them wrong. And you're definitely right. I think if those people at Martha's Vineyard, a few of them just like hosted the families, you know, you talk about how do you get back at a troll? Well, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. I am nice and courteous. And this is a sanctuary city, sanctuary right. state. That's kind of um, what I wanted to ask you, Chris, as a comedian, you know, this kind of trolling, heckling sort of politics, how, how, what's the best way comedically to handle something like this, to not give the them the reaction that they want. What do you do? What you do is you get um, legal Floridian citizens, fly them from Florida to Iraq and leave them there. <laughs> <laughs> i mean we kind of we're do that we do that with the uh, poor Soldier. kids by making them sign up uh, for the military sure, um, so that is kind of the uh yeah I, I i wonder what the response is because you know to some of the uh residents of martha's vineyard to their credit they did um welcome them and Without, they raised money. They raised yeah, money for them. Yeah. I mean, they were. They. I mean, it was kind of fucked up. They were sleeping on cots. I think in a church when uh, the thing about Martha's mattress. Vineyard is like Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> Martha's Vineyard does suck. Like it is. I've never been. What's What's it like over there? So I spent a. I summered in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, I worked on an oyster boat in Martha's Vineyard for a summer with. Isaac is better than. <laughs> I am better than you. Uh, I worked on an oyster boat in Martha's Vineyard with a like fourth generation uh martha's martha's vineyard in or i don't know what the correct nomenclature is there but um it's it's really dismal there right now actually there is uh no affordable housing and if you are like a working class person in martha's vineyard uh you're struggling mightily it is it is filled with billionaires and so and they're only there, you know, for a couple months out of the year tops. 
So it, it is, by and large, an empty place. And I think that the perfect troll to DeSantis would have been to, you know, put these uh, Venezuelan migrants in the empty homes of billionaires. Like That's Alan fine. Dershowitz, uh, well, don't don't send people to Alan Dershowitz's house. But you know, Obama, they should have like Ob- they should have put him in fucking Obama's house. That would have been cool as hell. If Obama's like, here, come stay with me, that would have been the ultimate fuck you to DeSantis. But they're not going to do that because the truth is, is that like Democrats don't really care, and that's where that's the brilliance of this move on DeSantis's part is that it shows the hypocrisy of. Uh, 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 Democrats in this country. Uh, interesting. I think more to think about it. Like, so, where, what part of Texas did they come from? Well, I think that they were in an asylum uh, facility in San Antonio. Okay, so they're in asylum facility in San Antonio, Texas. Been to San Antonio. It's all right. Riverwalk, Alamo, and that's kind of it. He took them to te- Florida. They left Florida, went to Martha's Vineyard. Honestly. I would rather be at a National Guard depot in Martha's Vineyard or outside of Martha's Vineyard than in Texas or Florida. If anything, he he uh, he proved how bad Florida was. <laughs> like, well, it's the summers are nice in Martha's Vineyard, but it gets cold and gray and dark. Personally, I think Martha's Vineyard is overrated. When I went there, I was like, Florida's hey, much more they beautiful. They say your ne- your net worth is your network. Those migrants are gonna be hanging out with billionaires. <laughs> They're gonna get the best. Oh yeah, yeah, best yeah. insider trading. Honestly, I bet you some of those people are gonna become crypto millionaires in a few, <laughs> few weeks. I think the plan uh, backfired yeah, on I didn't, DeSantis. I didn't. I didn't consider that. But it, it it does, I think, show a chink in the uh, democratic armor in this regard, where it's like their hypocrisy abounds. Obama deported more people in three years than Trump did in his entire uh, candidacy or his entire time in office. And also just recently, uh, didn't Trump just like keep them there? (laughs) Well, it's not to say that like it it wasn't cruel. I mean, Trump, Trump did uh, incredibly cruel things to these people, but it was also like, I mean, is the whole, the whole cage outrage, you know, like when, uh... when people were pointing to the cages that Trump was putting kids in, it's just like those cages were constructed by Obama. But is that is that the game? It's like who deports the least amount of people is the good guy. Is that the game we're playing here? And if, you know, I mean that's and, a, that's a that's a that's a good point. It it, it is they're, they're, that's the that's like the whole point. Though, get, is they're, yeah, they're, neither of them are good guys because they're all adhering to the same uh, national immigration policy. So yes. while Republicans exaggerate it, and Democrats want to put those signs in front of their houses being like in this house everyone you know yeah purple is, green brown is gay, gay and loves each other or whatever people. right you know they're still implementing the exact same cruel policies that the Republicans are and so you know I, I don't know how successful this is going to be for DeSantis I think that um, it, it, it it's looking like it might have some uh unforeseen consequences with uh a certain demographic like his constituency in uh florida there are two hundred thousand uh venezuelans uh living in florida right now and that's where they are going to end up these migrants that's the funny thing these migrants are going to end up in florida anyway because that's where their family is that's where their culture is that's where their job is there isn't like a lot of the ones uh, wait the ones in martha's vineyard their families are here 
Yeah, they're going to end up in Florida anyway. I don't know if they make a relationship with a good with a tech billionaire in Martha's Vineyard. You know, they already got family. booted off the island, though. That's the thing. They're already in. Uh, they're in Cape Cod and on their way Cape to Boston Cod. to be processed more well, effectively. Well, well, this is interesting. I, I like what the the governor of Massachusetts said. You know, I, I never heard of this guy before. Never heard this guy speak. But he was just like, "What? What? He, what would happen was cruel. What DeSantis did was a cruel thing." However, he brought up how in Washington they really need to make some consensus on this. But the reality is this. Every four years, it changes. Every four years, there's a different policy. The thing that's always the same is people get get deported, sadly. But it's like, how do we do this? How do we have a sort of a benevolent, humane sort of uh, immigration policy I don't know the answer to that, but I know it starts with people like Ron DeSantis not trying to have a game of one up on the Democrats by using families as uh, toys in his political game in order to become president. Um, it starts with that, you know, starts with being a little bit more humane, a little bit more kind. You know, I hate to, you know, quote a granola bar, but. Uh... <laughs> I get all of my political opinions off of Grinnell's vibes. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, DeSantis, if you're listening to this, I uh, hope one day you can sit down on the podcast and you can deport me uh, to uh, to Tokyo. <laughs> That'd be nice. You want to take me to Tokyo? Cut that out, Isaac. That wasn't that funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, that, now it's funny. I'm leaving it in. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm no immigration expert. I don't know the solution. I know that um, things have changed. They've gotten worse for migrants in this country. Um, it is, it's, it's been pointed out uh, to criticize DeSantis that, well, why would you not let these people in the country? There's a uh, labor shortage, um, which is kind of also, I don't know how I feel about that. The reason people aren't working is because they're underpaid. So it's like, oh, let's underpay someone with brown skin instead. It's like, all right, oh, yeah. I, don't, I, mean, I don't like that answer either. That's not I great. I mean, people forget the amount of, like, work that... Like, there's a reason why an undocumented uh, immigrant can get a driver's license. Right. Like, like there's a hypocrisy on both sides. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like... If the, you know the reason why that is because well we need undocumented workers to get to work and to do work and the best way to do that is for them to have access to transportation you know what i mean if they really cared about illegal immigration and were against it you know desantis would be like no driver's license for illegals but like right. he's gonna skirt just the top of the top of the uh the cream off the top because it's um it's convenient and visually it looks better on camera for him. Totally. To and that's, that's all it is. It's all optics on both sides mm-hmm. where while DeSantis does use them as this political prop and flies them to Martha's Vineyard to own the libs, which is the guiding principle of conservative politics these days. On the other end, it is fair to point out that when, when Democrats were screaming about those cages for four years under Trump, those cages are still being used today under Biden. So they're they're using a political prop on both sides. And and that's like the real 
In Tragic fact, we thing. need to actually. Some of those cages are falling apart. We actually need infrastructure <laughs> plan to, to re. To, 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 we need to rebuild the cages. Actually, they're falling apart. You're gonna get Our, like the the property brothers to make the cages a little bit more <laughs> sustainable or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But this is yeah, the thing. DeSantis doesn't care about immigration. That, that shows he doesn't. He doesn't care about immigration. No, but he really nobody just... does. That's the thing. Nobody really does. That's what I, that's think... what I want. I want a politician who isn't like hard on immigration. Just be like, I kind of don't care. It's it's like, it's like the party. It's like the like if you have a party with so many people, people kind of show up at the party when they're not invited. It's okay, right? But then once there's too many people, it's okay to be like, eh, you know, we can't have too many people. I don't know what I'm saying, but um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like these politicians, they don't care. Um, and I think I'd like someone to be like, I don't care. And honestly, we don't have a good answer. Yeah, you're definitely getting elected then, Chris. I, I, I mean, uh, I don't know. Well, I, I do like in this country how, you know, place like San Francisco is like, it's a sanctuary city of sanctuary cities. Like, you know, a buddy of mine is a prosecutor uh, for the DOJ. So his job is to deport people. He So he works his hardest to see the people, you know, to deport people, whereas he goes against public defenders who are trying to keep clients here. And for a while, he was telling me that uh, his job was like the easiest job ever because like, you know, his job is to find a, a justification to deport certain people and the judge would just grant them you know, just come in, come in, come in, come in. This is especially during the Trump era, uh, because they were kind of like trying to give a fuck you to Trump, right? Um, but obviously there are certain people he, he had to deport with be for crimes or what have you. But I do like that we have certain regions of the country that have a sort of like come one, come all policy. And there are places like Texas or I don't know, any other states who are a little bit the opposite. Um you know, but, keep, but that's, the country, that's, keep the country balanced, I guess. But that's the whole that, that that's the cruel joke though that liberals play, where it's like, yes, San Francisco is a sanctuary city, where nobody can afford to live anyway. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> come to this place where you cannot live. So no, you're that, right. You'll be living in outside of Oakland. You know. Yeah, that's the joke. That's the joke. It's like I think yeah. they're actually going to get rental space on Alcatraz at this point. <laughs> What kind of music are you listening to right now, Isaac? At at this exact moment, since we had our conversation, I've been listening to King Vaughn. Oh, you've been listening to King Vaughn. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. I've been listening man. to a lot of King rap, Vaughn. A lot of rap music. A lot of local rap music. That's cool, man. That's cool. And, and like Barry you? Manilow. A lot of King Vaughn and Barry Manilow. Do you like King Vaughn? Are you digging it? Are you like his story or do you like the music or both? I think just as a kind of lore almost, I, th I think that it, the fact that he died yeah. is as part of the appeal of um, like, well, well, how did that happen? Like, what's his life? It really is like a, a narco video when they, I watch these YouTube documentaries of him. They're, they're talking about him as a kid and how he made his way through, you know, the, the the project housing in Chicago to O Block and who he was killing and why it's just like yeah I was I think I was attracted to the lore more than so than the music even 
Sure. And I think that's a cool thing. I mean, that's a sad thing about when an artist dies, like they have their, their lore, their life is like suspended in this music, you know, and it's like suspendedly, suspendedly animated in this music and you'll never hear more stories. It's like, Oh man, if he was alive, what, 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 what would he be saying now? You know? Um, And that's the cool thing about this podcast today. We actually talk a lot about music and one thing we try to figure out is, is Florida, is it stuck musically? And if so, what era was it stuck in? And can Florida, is there any progression in Florida music? Um, we uh, talked with Steven Shigura, who has a uh, musical outfit called Memory Care. Uh, he's a good friend of mine from our FSU days. He used to DJ at V89, The Voice. And um, we talk about that. We talk about Backstreet Boys, who you love. We talk about Pitbull, who you double up. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, we essentially, we take this wonderful carousel around uh, Florida music. Uh, yeah, we, we get to the bottom of whether Florida music is a net negative or net positive on society. Yeah. So like I said, on society as a whole, like is... Uh, is Florida is Florida the sugar of music? Florida music, the sugar of music, you know? The, it's the, so the high fructose corn syrup. I think I think most music today sucks. Uh new music. Yeah. And so I still have that uh bit of hipster in me or whatever. But is that the geezer in you or the hipster in you? I think or it's both. more the hipster. I think it's more the hipster. Um because I like really abrasive weird stuff nice so like stuff that my dad and i'll play like a song for my sister some you know electronic music or whatever and she'll tell me uh this is going to give me an anxiety attack yeah Uh, and i and i love it i love that stuff so i'm not i'm not a geezer yeah (laughs) i i so i'm still i'm still a hipster at heart i think but the yeah. way I look at it is like uh, the rise of K-pop, I think, is uh, the perfect like encapsulation of this phenomenon where you have music that is uh, chemically and algorithmically designed to like tickle certain parts of your brain. So like oh, listening yeah. to a K-pop song is like the equivalent to eating Cooler Ranch Doritos. It has been designed by scientists to tickle that part of you it's it's fucking brain it's science peak is what it performance is. music is what it is it's, so it's soulless music. it's soulless i think some the, of it then. some of it i have a lot of fun with k-pop and i think that like i always follow the john cage sort of definition of music can technically be whatever you want it to be right traffic outside is music silence is music it's all just built on you know context of what we do so i think that yeah, a lot of K-pop is uh, can be seen that way, but then there's some that you see the like, like real heart in, and the flashiness is really it, they take that cheesy level and perfection, uh, you know, and they really pull it out sometimes. So, but I agree, hard to get into, not for everybody. It's I mean, it's like it's kind of like I, I guess you could say K-pop is kind of like the equivalent of the like the pyramids. You know, it took slaves to build it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, it's and, and that part if it's you can two like producers they make good money <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so no, let's uh, uh, we're talking about world pop here and world yeah. music but we're here to talk about Florida Florida music. music and so Chris I'm gonna have you introduce your friend here yes so uh, what I was gonna say is Steve what I loved about you was your passion for music 
again, uh, Steve and I, we were students at FSU and he was a staple at the local radio station. And uh, even though we didn't know each other very well, anytime I talked to him, he would always talk about music and had so much passion for music, listening to it. And I know on his own time, he experimented with it. And we can get into memory care later. I want to hear about that. Um, but we brought, I brought you on the pod because we wanted to talk about Florida music. And I couldn't think of anyone other than you to talk about music with. And yeah, I know you discussed like, oh, you know, I may not know the current happenings in Florida music. I know for sure you would definitely have a passionate opinion when it comes to like music in Florida and artists who've come out of Florida. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And a lot of, you know, what I'm passionate about is, you know, so much has changed in the last 10 years in terms of actually having a community and having in certain cities kind of your sound uh, when it comes to Florida, because of course it's a huge state it takes, you know, 12 hours to drive from one end to the other. If you're really taking your time. Uh, so I think there are some good modern pop that's come out, um, some good indie shit. Around the time we were in college, there was a great amount of organization that went through for different festivals. Um, you know, just things that brought a lot of people together that you don't really see as much. Uh, and I kind of know why, you know, that's kind of a, a deep dive. But yeah, it, it depends on where you want to start on, because I can go into kind of the diaspora of things, the old old olden ways or <laughs> well I, i'm kind of curious because i was you know i can't call myself a florida music expert i was definitely interested in music elsewhere and growing up yeah. in florida if i wanted to see an artist that i loved i would have to drive all the way up to tallahassee you know they weren't going to come down uh much further south um so it was a real struggle to to find like new music that I love that was playing here. But also I was trying to find out like, what is a distinctly Florida sound? Because when you look at what people describe as Florida music, it's like country from Tennessee or, or Zydeco <laughs> or Cajun stuff from, from Louisiana. It's like, it's nothing Floridian in that regard. There's a and couple in kind of the subgenres that that come to mind because of course uh with some of the things that you that we shared in terms of the the, the DeSantis music and all of the other things yeah it, Florida is a huge meme that's why I moved back I, I I love it here it's the best meme but there's a lot of good quality that's come and for a sound that's distinctly Floridian it's something I had thought of for a long time but I think it's out of vogue at this point or not really in step um the biggest name to come out of Florida that isn't on say like the pop or rap side is sale. If you're aware of them. I am not. S-A-L-E-S, no. all caps. So they got really popular. TikToks propelled them. Uh, okay. I went to high school with them. I'm friends with them. But no, they are dear friends of mine who started playing at this, um, at this festival that was organized called Total Bummer. And a lot of what characterized Florida music at the time was you'd always see a sampler, like a 404 sampler. Someone was always using tabletop hardware and they were meshing these kind of like psychedelic beats with what you consider dance music, just a dance music in a house in a way. Uh, so that's that, but sales on their own, it's, it's lo-fi guitar, simple drum machine, great songwriting. Um, I'd say they're very Floridian in the way that they are, but that's, I guess, more niche. 
Did they move on to another? Do they leave Florida? Are they still here? Uh, they are still partially in Florida, I think, from here and there. Um, I know one lives in North Carolina, the other in Orlando sometimes, and then somewhere else. So they're still actively making stuff together. Uh, but yeah, it all started within Orlando and uh, in Tallahassee when we had Total Bummer RIP that festival. It happened for about three years. Um, people with slightly bigger names from say the Pitchfork era would be playing that have gotten bigger, like Sales, 100 Waters. Yeah, um, They're from Gainesville. So that's very specific because they actually had some very Florida styles in the way that they chose like sampling and music. Um, the guy who does their electronics, I remember he had CDs at V89 and it was just really good IDM sort of stuff. Uh, and then once hearing 100 Waters, I was like, oh, this is pretty... <laughs> oddly representative outside of say the country um i do have strong feelings on certain certain rap elements that, that i will get to but starting on the indie side i think a lot of that's died um just based off of where culture is now so it's hard to find the groups of people or communities right now that are trying to thrive in a new way to bring shows back to Tallahassee. because like as you said you'd have to drive now cdu's closed the wilbury doesn't have anything it's like you gotta go but how, one what, what would you describe as a distinctly Florida sound, though? Because when I think of bands from, you know, the 2010s, like 100 Waters was like this breakthrough Florida band. And they were kind of unique in that regard that they got, yeah. you know, critical accolades despite being from Florida. That was kind of the way they were described. It was like, can you believe this kind of stuff is coming out <laughs> of the state of Florida? But yeah. at the same time, like listening to 100 Waters – there wasn't anything, at least in my mind, that felt regional about it. Like, I, I listened to it, and I'm like, this band could be from anywhere to me. Right, right. Well, what what defines regional for you? Or when you um, hear a sound, you're like, that is a distinct, you're, you're thinking of a distinct regional sound? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's obviously most prevalent in, like, hip-hop, but also, I think, yeah. rock from the, you know, the 70s, even 80s. Pop has definitely flattened everything. You know, pop, the, the pop sound can be from anywhere, anywhere in particular because it's so homogenous. I guess that's the point of pop music is that it appeals to everybody. So I guess I just if wonder. If I had like, to say the two distinctive Floridian regional sounds are autotune. Thank you, T-Pain, Tallahassee mm. local. Yeah, he invented and that. And death huh? metal. Because Tampa and Florida, I mean, we had basically invented death metal. And that spawned a whole <laughs> Really? Of, you think so? Yeah, essentially, it was popularized more so. Uh, I would say American rather than the, the Swedish death metal. That's Norse. what I was going mean, to think. Like, you hear death probably and they're like a early different. 80s. Bur uh -huh. Okay, black metal is more like 91, 92. I'm talking 87. Like, you're getting... In the UK, you're getting bolt thrower, but the rest, it's all Tampa relevant, just in terms of the style. So who, um, who, who, who uh, which Tampa bands were, were kind of like the foundation of that death metal sound? Speaking, so death, literally the band death uh, is from there. Um, uh, Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse came from there. But if you play, and you don't have to pop it right now, unless you'd like to, Born Dead by Death.
they got really proggy after a while, but like this was some early stuff. I've actually been listening to this a lot recently. And I forget that they're Floridian because I think one of them uh, taught somebody at Rollins, like a friend of mine. It's like, oh yeah, he was in the band Death. Stuff. I would say that is actually the most distinctly Floridian thing because it's had the the widest world impact outside of T-Pain popularizing auto-tune. And, and that's, that's so an funny. Like I, T-Pain makes sense to me. I mean, the, like the saccharine sort of uh, cheesiness of Florida, but like for death metal to come out, I had no idea. Straight from the swamps. But and that's so funny is like I guess regional music is supposed to be like a reflection of its surroundings, right? Right. And so I guess when you think of Florida, Jimmy Buffett makes sense, you know. But death metal is a what was happening happening during that time? Was it like a reaction to something? Was there something going on in the economy at that time in Florida or like something politically happening? Was usually metal and punk, it's like a reaction. I mean, they, it, it was mostly a reaction to saying like, hey, how far can we push what is music for people and push the limits on, of course, being rebellious in terms of having really gross ass lyrics if you're Cannibal Corpse, you know? Sure. Um, like, I think they literally have a song called Fucked by a Knife. I mean, it's simple. You know, but, you know, in terms of actually knowing the history of death metal, that might not be something that I'm as, you know, familiar with. At the same time, a lot of it just happened as kind of a natural, we hate hair metal sort of thing. And we want to make this scarier. That makes sense. And then all, in my opinion, although a lot of people fight this, it's like all metal technically stemmed from from like Black Sabbath in a way, or the 70s hard rock bands that were like, hey, can we play a note a little slower? And then suddenly that just became nastier and nastier and people just started building their own collectives out of it. Gotcha. Cannibal Chorus is like the two-life crew of metal. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to have something to be proud of here because, uh, yeah, I, I too have returned to Florida uh, after escaping it for so long. And now I Welcome find myself... Back. It's, it's kind of it's fun to be back. I but, love being back. Um, <laughs> Which, which the Christian hardcore scene, did that come out of yes. Florida as well? The Christian hardcore Yes, scene? they were hyped for Florida, man. I, I am not religious at all, but damn. They have a, I crowd surfed like a half mile at an Under Earth show, Warp Tour, like 2004 or something like that. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, um, what I also think is funny, and this is like, I, I think for people who are shouting uh, while listening, because we have tons of listeners and they love to scream uh, yeah. while we talk. But for those of you who are saying, like, for instance, number three on this uh, on this website is Leonard Skinner. You know, that Leonard Skinner comes out of Jacksonville. It's kind of funny to me because you wouldn't associate them. They're, I mean, Sweet Home Alabama, like they're an Alabama band, right? They they gave up right. their Florida credentials. I feel that way too. Like Chris, you put on the list Bobby Schmurda uh, as a Florida <laughs> musician. He was born in Miami, yeah, but he's a Brooklyn rapper. That's where he came of age. So I think that that's the other thing too is like uh, uh, if you're just because you're born in Florida doesn't make you a Florida musician, and just because you've right. sung a song about Florida doesn't make you a part of the Florida scene either. So I, I really want us to get like I just want to talk about other uh, either people you're proud of from Florida's past or people that are incredibly uh, embarrassing. I'd say since I'm still on the proud kick, even though. Of course, it's hard to be proud of something that you have no part of, but I think a really positive part right now of forward thinking 
music that is coming from Florida, even though there's Memphis um, kind of influence in there is Denzel Curry. You know, he's had always kind of like had a punk attitude towards it. I've consistently loved his music. Um, he has that very Miami sort of feel where it's just less Atlanta, but the same amount of hi-hats, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, but that's somebody think has just been so consistently good and reps Florida very well. I'm, I'm proud of uh, Trick Daddy. I think oh, Trick Daddy yeah. is, he has the is, best Instagram. <laughs> really? I love his Instagram. He owns a restaurant. He helps his kids. Uh, he coaches their football games. He's awesome. Him and Trina have come here multiple times, and I've kicked myself for not seeing them. Really? Sincerely, Trina like got me onto like I, I remember hearing like the first really explicit song in my life. It was like a question that was asked where it's like, "What's the first song that you vividly remember being explicit?" And it was. Um, Look back at me by Trina. I got so big like the sun. And if you look it up, it is the nastiest song. <laughs> Killer Mike's on it. Like it's oh, crazy. Killer Mike. And it's nasty. I thought Trina was beautiful too. I had a huge crush on Trina growing up. Oh, she's up. amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I was like, wow, this is nasty. Amazing. You know, it, it was empowering at the time. But I think that again, uh, let's 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 do a few more that we're proud of before we start uh yeah. rolling off the duds because it's a long list of duds. It's a long list. Um, uh, I've started to come around to Jimmy Buffett. Uh, obviously, this podcast is you know kind of named after him in a way. Uh, do you know he has a retirement community? He's literally uh, starting like a retirement community, like a villages, like like a yeah, villages? but really? like a literal Margaritaville. What we have to do the podcast from <laughs> we're we're gonna do we're gonna do a strictly uh Jimmy episode. His birthday is December twenty fifth, so I want to have a Christmas Jimmy Buffett special for our podcast. He's one of the first artists I ever listened to as a kid, where I was like, "This is amazing!" Like when you're like <laughs> like five or six and you're just playing Jimmy Buffett nonstop. So no, I'm for it. I'm for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think I'm I'm coming around to Jimmy uh in a way, but his his business ventures are very strange. Obviously, he's uh I believe yeah. a part owner of uh, Krispy Kreme, famously. Uh, he's a near billionaire. I mean, he's he's one of the richest musicians. Um, but yeah, he has uh, he has a uh, there's a cruise line. Chris is going to go on his cruise line because they're giving free tickets. No, that's not this Margarita. <laughs> But Margaritaville is going to give free tickets to uh, teachers and vets, and Chris is both of those things. Um, nice. Yeah. And then there's also the Margaritaville Resort, uh, I think, in Hollywood, Florida. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of controversy surrounding that, actually, where uh, they were given this massive uh, tax break that the, I guess the county commissioners didn't realize they were voting on. Um, <laughs> they, didn't read the bill. they didn't read the bill. <laughs> yeah. So it, I think it was it, – it was – meant to be a loan but it turned out to be a break and they they saved something like 25 million dollars of uh taxpayer money to build Woo. the margaritaville uh resort so uh jimmy is a he's not related to warren buffett but i think if your last name is buffett you're you're gonna be a rich man um any other uh, uh two life crew i think is one we if we're looking notable of. on this list we do we do have to talk about diplo <laughs> Because Diplo yes, is UC, somebody UCF, who, went to UCF, I believe. Yeah, UCF, I believe he's stolen 
collecting CDs at Rollins College, which is the first place technically I went to radio uh, on in Winter Park. The variety that he's always kind of enforced. Um, yeah, he's followed trends a lot of the time just by being at the right place at the right time. But I still listen to stuff that that's actively produced by him. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's do this. <laughs> okay, he so, really uh, respects uh, the form. He really respects the form. He does respect the form. Yeah. If you listen okay. to any major laser heavily, you're like, all mm-hmm. right, he studied. So uh, Diplo, net positive for Florida music, yeah. net negative for sexually transmitted diseases. I think that he has uh, spread a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. The FIMA is not with him. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, it goes without saying, I think we have to mention Ray Charles. He spent some time here. You know How much time? I think he was at, that, he was at a camp for blind kids, right? The one. Oh, uh, yeah. The one, oh, we um, can't claim him, though. <laughs> Can we? I wish we could, but that just doesn't seem right. I, I yeah, I, I feel like so. You know, Michael Jordan uh, was born in Brooklyn, uh, but yeah. he grew up in North Carolina, and he identifies That's... as a Carolinian. And uh, yeah, I think Ray Charles. I mean, where where would he identify? Well, that's the thing. I'm trying to get net positive here. It's easy to go into the negatives because the musicians who <laughs> are still living here and grew up here, they're not. They're the, they're the net negatives. We can get in them later. Backstreet Boys, right? Didn't we have the Backstreet Boys? Yeah, the yeah, Carters. The Carters had, are the from Tampa. Party over here, right? Right. Net negative now. Net positive then. You think the Backstreet Boys were net positive? In general, yes. 100%. 100%. Because there's one Swedish guy writing all their music, and it's good music. So, for example, oh, 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 oh. I gotta find this. I gotta find this. Gotta find the track. Because I, you know, I, I, I think I culturally. Are I, you just uh, a general boy band hater? Um, be real with dep- me. I think it depends on the boy band. I mean, I guess what, that era of boy band. You know, I must have been. I was in elementary school, middle school. I was listening yeah. to Corn because that was the opposite of the boy band oh, yeah. at the time. Nine Inch Nails and Corn, baby. So, uh, I, I think I was opposed to the boy bands and all they stood for at that point in my life and i would say to this day i think i still stand against uh the 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 construction of of music in this way right i mean this is the conglomerate the conglomerization of of but wait have you heard of brockhampton yes america's boy band redefining what a boy band can be and the aesthetics that come behind it R.I.P. Brockhampton, love them. They're not from here at all. But I would say with Backstreet Boys, it's just, it's a net positive for the era because it was just hyper pop, even though unfortunately they probably got famous through mega churches like everything in Florida. (laughs) Talk, talk Talk more about that. Talk more about that. Well, if you think of the song like, who you are, where you're from, Mm, There's a subtext, a, a subtext you put, for you put two hands up and you can just sing about Jesus right then and there. It's it's the same exact music, but I think culturally at the time it was important to people. They did have some catchy hits, but yeah, it's a little too modern evangelical for my taste now. But yeah, I, I guess I guess I don't when so just because something is catchy, yeah. uh, doesn't mean it's good, right? So I, I will agree that it it has the the chemistry like they figured it out they unlocked yeah. uh parts of the human psyche or whatever 
And this uh, is all subjective. But too, what about right? a group that jumps generations? What's interesting about those guys is like you go to any karaoke and you have people, Gen Z are singing that song. Watch Spring Breakers. I think that song was like featured in the film. Yeah, and but if you watch Har- The Circle, that's, but, that's, but that's because Harmony Lance Cor- Bass was in The Circle. It's like, no, I, I, that's a nostalgia trip. I, I, I disagree. I don't think Zoomers are into uh, the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. I haven't seen them make any sort of relevant cultural comeback. The people who are singing at karaoke are our generation, I think. It is a nostalgia thing, or it is there is like a hint at irony of it now, I think, that it is, it's, it's cool to like it now the same way it's like mostly nostalgia i think driving a lot of people's tastes i mean last year i was in the top two percent of all of slipknot's listeners because i was like oh damn you know what i used to listen to a lot as a kid slipknot and i just hyper focused for six months not, on the first three up and i i mean i think that we're we are uh i think running out of ideas musically uh okay, yeah i i think that there are so many things now that you hear today that are just complete references or ripoffs to previous generations. So we're, we're just recycling. Uh, yeah. So like, all right, there's specific iconography in music that different generations will latch onto because it just has a great sound. You see a kid right. with a, with a nine inch nails sweater, a, a, you know, a, what's a Kurt Cobain, sublime, right. Tupac. None of those, those bands are very specific and, you see kids as young as 19 wearing their gear. No one wears any uh, Floridian musician gear. And they've never sort of sort of, uh, sort of, of stuck. It's a bunch of sandcastles, no pyramids in Florida when it comes to like musicians and bands, right? And okay. I feel like- Yeah. Yeah. And I feel I like- I think that's, that's also just the state of music right now too. It's, it's like there's, the way we listen and distribute music is so condensed now in the last few years that the way it's being written is completely different too. That's I think why we don't see as many, apart from say DIY stuff, like specific bands out of Florida that you're getting. You know what I mean? Because sure, we have sure. to always look up where they're from. They're, the less regional they are, the more national appeal they have, I guess, in a way. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, so I think that I think the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC are kind of the perfect representation of florida music right um and i think a lot of that has to do with their um i, I do think that it's soulless stuff well, yeah. think it, it's it, you know in okay. florida we have these planned communities florida is known nationally for planned communities the backstreet boys is a metaphor for a planned community in music 100 percent. but if and we especially take it- it's a, when you have like a Swedish writer, Lou Perlman, uh, arranging things, you have all these hands uh, in, in one basket. That that is kind of Florida right now. I think Florida suffers uh, for you know as long as I've been alive from an identity crisis. Like we don't really have anything distinctly regional. Everything is right. borrowed from somewhere else because of the people who came here in the past fifty years. Yeah. I think so that's I, the beauty of it. It's it's it, and if we think about in sync and soulless, by the way, if you go listen to it's gonna be me, listen to the oof. third chorus. The third chorus of it's gonna be me uses a minor inversion. And if you're a prog head or if you like just the way they do little things, I mean, you can't tell me that's not good songwriting right there. I'm sorry. Well, I I, so, can, <laughs> I, I think that the, but then that like, comes back to my Doritos metaphor. Like I think that yeah. the scientists who came up with the, the, the perfect combination of like crunch to salty to sour ratio 
right. uh, it's genius, right? And the, the, the kinds of uh, craft that it took to, to make that or the effort it took. But at the same time, I think that eating Doritos is uh, wholly unsatisfying, soulless stuff. Right. Well, everybody listens to music for different things, right? Corn technically wrote all their music on that, right? So we can also say that, or their first album, then they stopped. But with Corn, that was meth music. And I think that there's the same level of, I don't know, baseline for how we have to contextualize our music. Because if we go in thinking a certain way, it will color the entire way we listen to it. Uh, I think that's what drives everything from someone saying it's soulless to somebody thinking of it as, say, like escapism and saying, man, this just puts me in a place that I need to be right now. Like there are so many different reasons for making and then consuming music, you know, that's a good reason. Sure. I mean, that applies to all art. And I I have a a, a real thing for like Adam Sandler's worst movies. I take a, immense okay. pleasure but I also know ironically that, or unironically. I don't know anymore. Okay. I think right. that I, cause it's I think that it, it is one of those things where it's, it's so funny to me because I, and maybe I, 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 it's not like a directly funny. It's like, I'm imagining other people finding it funny. And so right. there's something kind of uh, grotesque about it that I get this weird enjoyment from. And maybe yeah. again, it's like the elitist in me who's just laughing at other people who would laugh at this kind of thing, because um, there's something so base and disgusting about it. Um, and it's also just easy to watch. It's just fucking candy, you know. Like yeah. it doesn't take any effort whatsoever to watch an Adam Sandler movie. The same way it doesn't take effort to listen to a lot of pop music. It just washes over you. Right. Right. It's. A it's a difference in, in again, like context, nostalgia, building that out. And I agree with you though, that Florida does not have any sort of clear defining features. You know, a lot of, say, if we look at North Florida, if we look at rap music, a lot of it's trap, there is a lot of Southern rap influence specifically. So that's where I would say, Hey, we are a part of Southern rap in a different way. We've also just been memed upon due to what the clear law acts that let people build all the Florida man memes and get all the things out there. And then, of course, we have a lot of idiots here. So, I mean, those politically yeah. charged ones and just things that people, just like in the LA, viral, like the Island Boys, they can do music. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Island Boys. Island Boys. I still, that's a riff, though. I love the Island Boys for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was else, fun. That they was can fun. do their own thing. But uh, every time I hear makes, the word Island Boy, <laughs> what also makes the, the, the Backstreet Boys uh, particularly Floridian is that. Lou Pearlman ran the longest-running Ponzi scheme in U.S. history, and Ponzi really? schemes are, uh, I think, uh, Floridian. essentially Floridian. Yes. <laughs> yeah. True. So there's that. So I can make- uh, okay, I think I think we're split on the Backstreet Boys, which is yeah, good. I like. I, actually I like, like, the I like disagreeing. Boys. I like the Backstreet. Right, I, 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 I like pop music. Like it, it's weird. Yeah. I can't. I can't deny it. Like you know, I'm not gonna listen to it every day, but like. Yeah, what was I listening? I was listening to like Ace of Base the other day. Like, I love Ace of Base. Yeah, Ace I of love Base. Ace of Base. It, it, it's obviously it's like Swedish, European, or whatever. But like Nazi, they're Nazis actually. I yeah. almost wore an Abba shirt to this. But okay, like, I don't know. but just like there's something about, and I think it, for me it goes back. Talk about the nostalgia factor. As a kid, my parents, you know, they would listen to Casey Kasem, Rick D's Top Forty, whatever, and we'd listen to that. What's the number one song? Oh wait, it's Boys to Men, Mariah Carey. Um, yeah. 
you know, uh, what's that song, right? Um, one Sweet Day. Oh, my God, One Sweet Day, number one. Yes, I want it. It was number two I, last week. I'm not saying that all pop music is bad, okay? Right. I think that the I think the Backstreet Boys kind of entered or, or ushered us through a new era of pop music that I think we've been on the decline sure. from ever since. It's mo- like in pop musicians that were making $100 million. Like that's a, they, they saw money that other right. musicians weren't seeing, right? Yeah. I mean, well, Lou Pearlman took a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, uh, money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no one so, was seeing the money. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So it's a one to two vote Backstreet Boys being a net negative here. But then you have to talk about NC because half the, I, the Carter the brothers, same, right? Aren't they from it's the NC? same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Lou Perlman created them as well as sure. well as O Town and whatever else. But okay, let's uh, let's bring up another. Uh, I, I think we're. I mean, I'd be, I'd be curious to see how contrarian you guys are going to be about this one. But Creed. <laughs> Creed is from Tallahassee. Uh, all my homies hate Creed, even though we're all going to do the best Creed impressions. They're yeah. fun. They're fun to hate for sure. One thing I learned today about Creed uh, was that their original band name was the Naked Toddlers. Jesus. Which uh, give the lost uh, profits guy <laughs> run for his money. Jesus Christ. Can you yeah, I, I. Why? You know what's the most Christian band name? <laughs> Jesus the naked Christ. toddlers. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's very Catholic of them. Very Catholic priest of them. Well, they're yeah, Pentecostal. Yeah. Scott Stapp's father or stepfather was a Pentecostal uh, minister. So, okay. So, so they should have had snakes on stage. They should have had snakes. That's on exactly stage. right. Yeah. Always so going to think... make shots of Pentecost. <laughs> <laughs> are, are we all on the same page here that uh, Creed, dog I never, shit? I never got into Creed. That was not no, my. I, I, I didn't listen to rock music. Until so cool. I didn't know what really, yeah. I didn't really know what rock music was growing up. I, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna rate negatively Creed off of principle, unfortunately, okay. even though we all know their songs. I'm almost neutral, but well, it's gonna well, be a, a negative. But uh, okay, so let's uh, let's move down the list here. Uh, Pitbull, he, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. Now, are you yeah, kidding Some of the best, some of the best no. jokes and the best comedy have been the result of just Pitbull being a person. I and saw many... Ludacris and Pitbull at Florida State. Fuck he yeah. took us around the world. He was like, all right, we started in Miami, went to the Dominican Republic. And um, yeah, apart, like, yes, the joke factor included, I think Pitbull is a net cultural positive from Florida, 100%. Pitbull, call me. <laughs> I find him to be both uh, sonically and aesthetically. Of, but someone like Pitbull, I mean, if you've lived in uh certain places it's apples and oranges you know well you know but he, he but there are he good apples and there China. are bad oranges like, have you ever had China. like a mealy disgusting orange Damn. but who's uh, defining it, the orange's quality right now in comparison um, to apple well then then, then, then <laughs> if that's the case then there's no such thing as bad or good music right that's what i'm going for but no well, i get it i get it through our taste lens what sure. can we focus in on Someone like Pitbull, I find just again, like just looking at him makes me. You Ill. don't feel he, the dale inside? 
You, you don't just like. I have okay. If I'm racist, it's against Cuban Americans. Uh, I love wow. Cubans. I love Cubans in Cuba. Um, okay, Steve but, is uh, Cuban. That's why you didn't know. Steve is Cuban. Insulted our guest. So I, I hate. I'm, 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 I hate his politics so much. Yeah. Oh, that's a different story. And I hate that, but it's hard for me to separate the art from the artist sometimes. I I don't like Miami either. I think he's a reflection of so many things I hate about Miami. Uh, So Rick Ross? Rick Ross? No. uh, Rick Ross and Denzel Curry. The good parts of Miami. Yeah, the good parts of Miami. Sure. I there I had I've had fun in uh, a couple of places in Miami. But you know, know. Rick lives in Bradenton, right? We should go say hi. Like Rick does. Yeah, he lives in Bradenton. Yeah. But would say hello. yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I think I, f- I find Pitbull and just like everything about him to be like obnoxious. It can be in, in an entertaining way for sure. But uh, have you I listened the, to an entire Pitbull song like from beginning to end? Uh, hundreds of times. Yes, by accident. Yes, yeah. never, never <laughs> by choice. At the gym on the yes. elliptical, you're like telling yeah. the guy, hey, turn this shit off. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's not, you, you know, listen, I think for Halloween, you should shave your head. Put a suit on and be best. <laughs> That's what you should do. Mr. Worldwide. You're, you're trying go. to scare people, right? You're trying to scare yeah. people. Oh my God, you've become you've become Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide. He is somehow. He's also somehow so white. Like he is just. Most Cubans are. Yeah. Most he's, Cubans. Yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> most like Cubans he's like are. Mr. Monopoly Man. Uh, before he grows out a mustache. I just want to see like Pitbull and just like just regular clothes one day. Like, what's he look like going to public? Like, not a suit. Yeah, now to see, I just want to see him wearing like. I think he only wears a white home. suit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he greets you at the Miami airport. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, who wouldn't want uh, that greeting? <laughs> dude, there should be oh, honestly man. on Hollywood. There are like pit bull impersonators next to the Elmo He's, impersonators. Oh. Um. All right. Uh. So pit bull votes. Uh. Is it going to be? Uh, obviously, I'm negative pit bull. Steve, uh, yeah, listen, I like Pitbull because he's on the <laughs> Valentine's Day soundtrack. If you guys remember that film, Valentine's <laughs> okay. Day, he was the he was in the, all the trailers, and I was like, I'm watching this movie because of Pitbull. Can't deny okay. a good time from me. Uh, <laughs> here's another. Here's another one. You're gonna uh, get married one day, and your wife's gonna play Pitbull at the wedding. You're gonna have to dance to Pitbull. <laughs> She's gonna make it. We're gonna request it somehow. We're gonna through the grapevine send a letter. Shit, I'll pay for people to be at your wedding. <laughs> Honestly, that would be really fun. I would love to have Pitbull at my wedding emceeing. It, be it would change his opinion on Pitbull. I think oh, God, that I Pitbull, the- I think that proximity, proximity to things makes you love them more. Yeah. And so I think that if I hung out with Pitbull, I would surely have affection for him as a human being, but as a musician. All right, next up is Limp Biscuit. That's a no for me. That's a no. Limp Bizkit should have never been lumped into new metal. That's what makes me mad about it. Uh, no. Hard Wait, no. help me understand. because Except for the I, jeans. I, no. So the Jinko jeans, that thing and all that, that era? Jinko like jeans, I, I know, has nothing to do with Limp Bizkit, but to me it has everything to do Aesthetic. with Aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then other... Lincoln Park sort of like I don't know much about new metal, but Lincoln Park was kind of new metal, but they were like higher art, and they somehow broke out of new rock, metal. Alt rock, but they were instead. Same I time, think the, right? the new metal piece was either a real twangy bass lines with weird vocals, or if you rapped over metal, because you never know. <laughs> 
So then yeah. Limp Bizkit would count then because he's rapping over metal. Yeah, no, they there are, are literally, um, I think there's a Rolling Stone article, um, like cover that has all the new metal groups and they fucking include Limp Bizkit, which hurts because he's just so separate from that genre. Because like, if you actually listen to Slipknot, yeah, there's a, there's one song where he does rap, but it is not this corny shit. I think uh, I think uh, there's the nostalgia factor for me uh, with yeah. Limp Biscuit, where uh, I remember skateboarding to him uh, while we were like skating on our little boxes we made. Uh, you have the soap shoes, those soap shoes, those kids. Uh, my dad uh, said that's stupid. I'm never. <laughs> Never buying that for That's you. That's a good so I never had soap shoes. Great father. Uh, or Jinko jeans. He would not. He refused to ever buy me Jinko jeans. <laughs> You're a boy. Uh, but he did. To my father's credit. To my to my father's credit, he did listen to Limp Biscuit in the truck with. Uh, he, I would bring the CD. He bought me the CD. It was, it was in a truck. He had to buy. And it. he yes, <laughs> we, he was he he drove a green Ford and then a red Toyota. And I remember in the red Toyota, uh, I would bring my music and I would. Limp Biscuit and Corn and Slipknot, and to my father's credit, he was like, he would let me play it every once in a while, and he would That's tolerate nice. it. it was very nice. Play, do you think he played it when you left school? He's like, that I I I will I'll ask him later. Yeah. But um, the amount no, of times he, Trent Reznor's made fun of Fred Durst, I just can't have him as a net positive in my book. Oh, so you go by the book of Trent? I do go by the book of Trent, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I, think I have that, a modular synthesizer. Of course, I like Trent Reznor. So I think that uh, I, I I'll put my own personal relationship with uh, Limp Bizkit aside and say yes. I think it was a, a net negative. Um, my way, but just because it, it really like encouraged just the most chinless uh, guys to feel like they they could <laughs> like they get, get women. Yeah, they just. <laughs> Uh, are there any other uh, 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 bands we should? Uh, I mean, we can talk about Flo Rida. I, I mean, that I think one. Flo Rida deserves his own podcast. To be honest with you, just just he's almost like Pitbull in that, like he's like I don't know. Right now, I don't think anyone really listens to him, but he had a time where everyone was listening to Flo Rida, and like right. we, and that we feels had, like some sort of deal with the devil. Like it's to me, his music is so objectively bad, and the amount of airtime it got. It's just like with Kesha. what's yeah, what the fuck <laughs> happened here? Like, how did this become a thing? It doesn't make sense to me. What I find so funny, it's like it's so it's almost like the 9-11 of music, like like uh blow right. Like it makes sense. Like, like it's so it's so you talk about um flow right. <laughs> like, how is that how does that the 9-11 of music and low, which did have T Pain on it? Those were bangers, every oh. eighth grade dance. Oh sh- wait, low. shorty got low, low, low. Yeah, that song was great. Did you listen to Low growing up? 
Trying to get that the, at the bottom the skate rink. At the skate rink. Yeah, and at, at yeah. school uh, dances you had bounce, to hear it. Roll bounce. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm surprised how no many problem. net positives we're finding here. My theory that Florida music is a net negative uh, is being overturned here because you keep saying that they're good. I think Florida adds a net like extra 25 points to Florida. I mean, he doesn't Chris, have it. You're, 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 so technically, regionally, it would be. Here. No, no, no. Being serious. You don't like no, Florida? No, God, no. It's terrible. Come on, that song you did with Kesha Timber. That's like a fantastic song. I'm going, nah, that's an awful song. I love Kesha. Oh, there, finally, finally, Steve says something sucks. All right. Yeah, no, I love Kesha, but I hate that song. <laughs> Chris is losing it right now. It's a really silly song. But uh, what, what are some other floor So did we rate, who were we on? Oh, well, and then floor did the... Wait, oh, that was him. Oh, yeah, that was him. Wait, yeah, rethink your flow ride. Oh man, I think I feel like I've heard so much flow ride. I don't know one flow ride a song. I feel like I've I think I think you guys I think you guys have uh the musical equivalent of Stockholm syndrome. Wait, where he you did hear a, something so many times. No, he did that a Tal you start song. to did like Tal Cruz. <laughs> Chris, stop interrupting me. You guys have the uh, uh, musical equivalent of Stockholm syndrome here, and I. It's like you hear it so many times that it 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 you have to enjoy it almost. Sometimes, I mean, for me, it's it's the John Cage mentality. Once we learn to understand why we don't like something, and even better, if you learn to understand what you could like about it, just the world becomes a better place. Oh, dude! So there is some shit I'll shit on. Believe me, I'm a big <laughs> hater. It's just some of the things <laughs> we brought up so far. I'm like, yeah, oh, no, you shit all yet. over Joanna Newsom. You shit. All oh yeah, over fuck Joanna, Joanna Newsom. Newsom. So. <laughs> Yeah. Got a um, what about uh, uh, what about uh, XX? He's no longer with us, but he contributed a lot. And people, you know, he's on, um, you know, he's done songs with Wayne, you know, after his death. You know, like he's an interesting artist. You know, a comedian Hold who on, got, it, got it, canceled. It, uh, oh, triple, yeah. Yeah, not, I mean, not, not the and his XX, cipher, XX, XX and, not, not the X, not the British group. Tentacion. Tentacion. And his cipher, did you guys ever watch his cipher that he did with did XXL? Yeah, but like, yeah, that was, XXL back. really blew him up. He, he did it with like, I think, Little Yachty and like some other people who are, I don't know what, what they're doing these days, but like, he had the best one. And he, I think he had the shortest, ver- few, like, least amount of verses. Um, and like, he's an interesting guy. I, I didn't listen to him when he was like alive. But he has like a, a you talk about originality, like a certain level of darkness in his music and oh yeah, vul- talk vulnerability. About an artist, you separate art yes. from the artist too. Right. Yeah, he was not a good guy the way he tr- treated people, but like the level of like vulnerability, he put a lot in the line emotionally in his music. And like you know, I don't know if any other artists are like that in Florida. I know we've shit on a lot of musicians. Like, Florida's known as like a party state, you know, Daytona, the beach, what have you, the sun. But his music was exactly the opposite. He, in some ways, those guys in Jacksonville, how they're talking about like killing each other in their songs and sadly it's being like celebrated. The reality is like them and XX, they were talking about the the poverty 
that happens in Florida, the invisible people of Florida, the people that. Oh yeah, his lyric yeah. work, he's, his music is so beautifully sad. You know. Yeah. It's hella depressive. I, I think he was a. But it had a good a beat. Positive had a good beat. sonically, uh, but I think a net negative, uh, culturally. Human. I think I think yeah. that. I feel this way about a lot of rap right now that um, is like clout is the equivalent of, of violence or violence is the equivalent of, of clout. Like it, it's encouraging uh, something really toxic that I don't think is necessary, but what, it, like, what do you mean the violence? What do you mean examples? the violence? Yeah. Well, I mean, especially uh, in regards to like what Chris was talking about with uh, Jacksonville, uh, the rappers who are just like murdering each other. Uh, like the, yeah. the, in the, the New York drill scene, obviously the drill scene in Chicago, where these rappers beef with each other and the entertainment is the beef, right? You have people right. whose entire careers, uh, media careers, like uh, No Jumper and uh, that that one guy who's always beefing with Freddie Gibbs. Oh, what's his name? Um, they're they're constantly promoting. I love beef. Freddie Gibbs. <laughs> I love I love Freddie Gibbs. I love Freddie Gibbs. Yeah. Uh, but they're constantly promoting the violence. And the, and the beef between rappers and that's part of the entertainment right like sometimes but that's, not, that's, yeah. that, that's storied in music though you know like yeah you know uh-huh. it goes back, that's storied in music like i don't know i can't steve might be able to help me with this but from what i understand like going back to even like old country songs about uh murder about murder about murder essentially ballads. Yeah, murder ballads there we go you go the songs about the uh what's the show about the uh the drugs on narcos right in you yeah. know latin america there are songs about the narcos they're you know ring that's, around a, that's, the... a, that's also a new thing though no you look, look at the song ring around the rosie a box full of posies it's about the black death it's a, it's a child that, song about black death so uh, okay I'm saying is like, but that's not that's not the same thing at all but what i'm saying is we have to look at the difference between two rappers beefing or using it for quote-unquote gang activities or just telling a story that, and, and getting the their story out the same way a, a writer or a guy with a guitar would get their story out of I think it. The but only I, difference is, I think there's a camera and there's a phone there right if there wasn't a phone there wasn't instagram tiktok it'd just be artists telling a story because that's what you know gangster rappers from like ice tea even like two live crew they're saying we're just talking about a reality but and it was it was a harsh but reality but yeah but the, you can get so much of it, but, from it now. okay but i disagree I, I think that a lot of it is uh fantastical i don't think that a lot of these uh, it is really interesting to me when when uh popular young rappers what do you mean by fantastical? Say, I, I don't that it's not real they're making these stories up that they're not they're, well, same with like death ki- metal right what right. do you think yeah, about it killing each way. other? These what are... do you mean it's not real? Yeah. They're killing I'm each not... other. Hold on, Chris. Okay. What okay. I'm saying is, and there are a lot of rappers who will come out saying this, that I don't own a gun. I don't yeah. fuck a bunch of bitches. This is sure. just what you're supposed to rap Sounds about. Sounds good. Yeah. And, sure. and, and so, but at the same time, part of the appeal of rap uh, is authenticity, right? Like, I'm really from this. This is my, this is my real life. And so it starts to create itself, right? Like the the myth becomes real because you have to live that way or else people will call you out for being a big old phony. And so I do think that like the, the I think that rap that encourages violence because it does uh, is a, a cultural net negative. As much as it like, it's like, oh, we're just telling our story. It's like, well, you're retelling the story to make it real. And it well, might what about have the, been... the emo era? The, I mean, you could say My Chemical Romance is encouraging suicide. The suicide, Black Parade. Yeah. The Black Parade, like, 
These were all, yeah. And, and I think that for a lot of rap music, the fact that there isn't authenticity, it's because it's mostly on flow, rhythm, beat. And of course, I am no, you know, I'm not one to speak about why rap music is appealing as a white dude. Um, I do have a funny story where I almost produced for baby. interestingly enough. Ooh, I um, hear that. I can get there in a moment, but like, I don't know. It it all just kind of comes down to how things sounded. Why did the Migos get so popular? Because triple flow is just so catchy, you know? And I, I think that it's, unfortunately to me, it sounds very dated when someone's like, oh, it's promoting violence because that means they're not actually listening to it. Like, or- I, I, there, But the thing is, is that I think that there are people who cannot, I, I think that just in terms of sheer numbers, where violence is happening, where suicide is happening, for instance, uh, I mean, it's probably hard to calculate how many suicides resulted from, you know, little girls yeah. listening to My Chemical Romance. But when it comes to rap, I think that there are, obviously because it's much more centralized. Uh, but I think that's I, more of a socioeconomical issue that's than a it big is part, an yeah. artistic issue. I think the, artist, well, the, the art came out of being placed in an environment like that. Not that it's reinforcing any of that really you don't unless you're specifically listening to crip rappers right like if you like maxo cream um maybe vince staples and because they're rapping about this like maybe that'll apply to you but there are so many people who do listen to that and don't i love maxo cream i don't know shit about crips versus blood but i do know that i like the way he raps and i think there are a lot of people out there who are just in it for the vibes you know to use the the new kids lingo um i just yeah i would i would never argue that rap music actually causes violence if anything i, I think it helps create an outlet yeah i think that's like a people. 1990s like political i mean I, I i i disagree i think that uh there are some people who can listen to a rap song about violence uh and confuse the art of it for reality and especially when Black men in this country and women are stuck in this socioeconomic position where the only way to get out of the hood is either through rapping or, you know, like Biggie said, a jump shot, right? And so in order to live, like, in order to become a rapper, and the most popular rap uh, is violent, uh, you have to kind of live it. And so I think that there is, I, I think that to say that it doesn't have any effect well, it, think about it like is, this. Is, this is all. I, I agree with Chris on the on the '90s part of like the satanic panic, right? We have, yeah. There will always be people out there who take Burzum seriously and don't just laugh at at that man and say, "Okay, there was good lo-fi music, but he's an awful dude." Um, you know, yeah. There were people that have killed other people because of Slipknot or because of Nine Inch Nails. Those are documented cases. Yeah, you'll find and, a, 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 a single case of that, but in terms of like the actual number of, like the, the amount of I'm saying, I don't think we can find a single case for music affecting that, to be real with you. I mean, you have actual rappers killing each other over beef. Yeah. That they, that they like, then that's like, that's an exact, I think it's an yeah, example. Yeah, they right are there. killing each other, but I don't know if they're, I think what you were saying is like they're causing other people. I to... think that it perpetu I think it does. I think that it does encourage and it romanticizes and makes sexy a culture of violence for sure. And I th I don't think that like obviously it's not separate from socioeconomic issues, but uh, you know it certainly doesn't help. I don't think it's not like an it's not like an outlet. I think that it, beyond an outlet, it can perpetuate it. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm going to stay on the disagree button for that one. Sure. Just because it's the same perspective 
that you can apply to any quote unquote extreme music genre, the people that listen to it. Um, or John Wick movies. I fucking love John Wick movies. Yeah. You want to say John, John Wick caused Uvalde shooting or something? You know what I mean? Like Call of Duty caused gun, caused gun, right. caused gun, caused gun violence? That one probably. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. For real, for real. AC 130. Yeah. If you add a mission where your whole job is to just mow down people in an airport with a big machine gun, yeah, they I, took I, that out later. And, but that was and just I, like, I think that it's a mistake to think that art is simply a reflection, that it only it only absorbs reality, and it, that it, the reflection itself doesn't influence reality. So I I think that it absolutely does influence people. I think that uh, you can say that about any form of art. It is, it's not just a reflection. But I think the difference is like, it's, it's, I think most people, when they watch what's happening in Jacksonville, they're not committing violent acts. They're like either listening, like they, wouldn't they, didn't they sample like a thousand miles? Yes. Right. Fully. I think like, so like. Nothing's harder than a Vanessa Carlton sample. (laughs) Nothing, nothing harder. It's really good. Nothing prompts me to kill faster. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm pulling my gun out of my blanket here we go but, um, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean like when you listen to that all right it's a great song but then also i think most people are aware and their kids are smart now they listen to it and like this is crazy what's this happening over there uh it's sad. It's sad this is like i don't know most about people that. are aware of like i'm sure that you have your small minority like these guys are cool but like i think for the most part the most part people are like this because this is real this isn't john wick in the sense of like this is a cartoon this is all movie making like these young men are yeah, killing but like, each there's, other there's no like actual community to belong to when you like watch john wick you're not gonna go fucking hang out with assassins <laughs> so like, wait, that's, so everybody that's has beyond long, fantasy hair that's beyond fantasy and that's the thing about the rap is that it is a reflection of something real right and it's a, it's a reflection of their own communities people that they know Right. But if anything, it those can, songs can be or can just be made up. If anything, those songs, if anything, it's mobilizing that community. Like we need to fix this because uh, yeah. I think if any, because well, now then, now Jacksonville's how, embarrassed. How, Jacksonville's embarrassed. Okay, like, but how long they, there's, has okay there's young dead black men on the streets dying, and now everyone around the world is seeing, thinking Jacksonville's a dangerous place. How, how long has Chicago drill? been been going and has has the violence in chicago ceased at all as a result of every time a white dude brings up violence in chicago i'm always like i get it it's it's real yeah but for people it's do you listen to to rap music regularly just Uh, as a general question i i love i love rxk nephew i listen to the shit rxk nephew just like every art like slipknot wanted to get out of iowa a lot of rap music is around hey why do i have to sell drugs to get out to where i am or do this because i wasn't given the opportunities like if if most of the lyrics of the shit that at least i hear when they do bring that up they're like hey this is what i had to do this is why it's always bad is basically what i always hear nowadays apart from people of course you know using their own swag to like say hey i'm better than this person i think um, that's, that's i think that's the the i think that that's the the most popular kind of rap music i mean i don't remember i, I i'm in love with the coco I, I don't remember that that didn't seem very self-reflective at all to me it was you know yeah there's certain songs that and a lot of it is just made for fun 
kind of like, okay, the baby song. So I, when I lived in Charlotte in 2018, I was making rap beats. My coworker was a rapper and he was like, oh, um, you know, you produce, I'll rap. And he would come over and I would run a drum machine and like do live riffs with him. Well, this dude was about to pay 1500 bucks to get our song sent to baby because he was the biggest rapper in Charlotte. This is before he blew up. And the song was about nothing. It was about what, strippers? It was about just chilling out. Why did we make the song? Because it was fun, you know? And, why, and then when we sent it to him, it was like, yeah, he liked it, he'll rap over it. Why? Not to perpetuate a story or go for self-reflective thinking, but the production was interesting. I think that's what might also bring something to the table, but I don't know, a lot of it's just made for enjoyment. I, I think fixing that, anything. I, I think that for someone like me who yeah. is a privileged white boy, it is just pure enjoyment, right? But I think yeah. that for some for other people, like it becomes much more real and it's hard to tell the difference. And right. I think that um I, again I, I think that maybe it's like I, I'm I'm uh reading into too much like Wittgenstein here or whatever, but I do believe that when you put words out into the world, when you literally utter something, it's power. It means something. And so I think that there is a lot of carelessness with that stuff because it's cool, because it's sexy. And I do believe that it has to have some, it reflects, it doesn't, it, it, it's not just a reflection. It, it, it's like a recursive. It reflects back onto what it, 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 the people who listen to it, you can't hear these words and they mean nothing, right? It's not just fun. Like the, it, it's real. So from now so on, part, Isaac, it, it, you cannot listen to rap music anymore. <laughs> he's got a point. <laughs> no. Well, I, I, there are some people who are just more susceptible to these things than others. I think. And right. who are these uh, people? Yeah, are they the okay. children, the children. Yeah, for sure. The children, Chris. Think of the children. Wu Tang is for the children. I went and bought me an outfit today that costed a lot of money today. You know what I mean? Because I figured that Wu Tang was gonna win. I don't know how y'all see it, but when it comes to the children, Wu Tang is for the children. We teach the children. Propaganda. When I was in the military, when I was in the military, all those military songs are essentially about colonialism and like anchors yeah. away. It's about taking the ship and, to someone's place and putting right. an anchor and conquering their land. You know. And I and I brought yeah. up uh, I brought up Toby Keith. You know, putting a boot in your ass kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I think that that does. That's not just for fun. I think that it it reaffirms people's behaviors and beliefs in the world, and so. But that's you know, political, I, right? What is there a difference between, like those songs are early politics, Chris? Everything is politics. I, I mean, I don't know. Like those guys are actually listen actively... to my music and then and then see what side of the fence it's on. I was yeah. I was I, I listen You're... I listen to it. I mean I I love uh, I listen a to a lot of. Uh, <laughs> electronica yeah exactly <laughs> um, i listen to a lot of electronica uh just purely for its texture and i, I like right. it. it is it is like a political in that regard um uh but maybe it's a reaction to something political you know uh <laughs> is it, yeah. is it who knows no, yeah yeah for me it's, it's the... texture make brain good and then i call it texture yeah yeah <clears throat> um it, this we, we this is a long show so uh okay. before we wrap up steve uh, let's talk about your music a little bit yeah memory sure. care yeah so uh my name is memory care yeah i make modular synth music 
uh, a lot of what I do, uh, based off of the name, I think a lot of it comes back to the idea or that fear of losing your memory. And a lot of my work is really influenced by fading, repetitive, transient things. So essentially, no two shows are the same because usually I'll patch up the day of, make something on a, and actually it's disconnected. I can just I hold it right up right now on something like this, <clears throat> you know, and just like make a piece based off of how I'm feeling at the time um, or based off of a new method. So like Tell recently- What are you holding? Tell our listeners what you're holding. So this is a modular synthesizer. So way back in the day to make electronic music, uh, you basically had these like telephone jacks that you would put into synths. Now that's gotten so specific and esoteric that you can basically build your own custom instrument. So for example, I can make, you know, flute noises with this or manipulate samples or I could use a breath controller. So I joked like, oh, you ever vape a synth? Because I can actually breathe in and out and have it react. I don't have it plugged in right now. I wasn't going for a, a thing, but I do have something filmed that'll be coming up soon where I use this breath controller to play the instrument as well as slow and speed things up, things like that. Uh, I was in the kick of doing more rhythmic and, uh, you know, electronic stuff, but I think recently we're just where I've been mentally, a lot of it is just fading into nothingness, stuff you'll forget about in a way. Uh, so whenever I start writing, I think a lot about texture, about what I want for it to be, uh, if it's going to be brighter, darker, where I see the sound happening, things like that. And is Does it that make uh, sense? Yeah. Would you say that your sound is a reflection of your environment in Florida? You know, I think it's more internal because I started this journey when I was in a bad spot living in Charlotte before I moved back to Florida. It's something that's like, no matter where I was in a shitty environment, I had something that was meditative, something that could just be my own without any influence. But I do have things where I have sampled other influences or sounds to make something. But a lot of this is, is more self-practice for myself to say, hey, I know a lot of people say, yeah, it's a meditation, but I know my music has shifted based off of what I'm listening to or how I'm feeling. So I'll make sadder sounding pieces usually. Um, but there's a lot of bright hyper pop shit I like too. So sometimes I've really gone out with maximalist works. Uh, the stuff that I have on my SoundCloud is a lot of textural, slower, somber COVID stuff honestly so a lot of inside peering through the outside sort of thing what's your soundcloud uh, it's just i believe it's memory care or memory underscore care let me see and i will be updating it soon since there's some other performances most of my process or like recording i'll do one take and then i'll just cut that down um 13 plays in the last seven days y'all wish you were famous <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's memory underscore care. So soundcloud.com slash memory underscore care, which hard ass name to use because memory care also means like long-term care services for the elderly. So it's actually really hard to find me, which I think is a part of the niche aesthetic. In a way. <laughs> there we go. But, but, you're, un I mean, but you're unforgettable, Steve. Thank you. Yeah. 
going to try. Uh, well, last show I had my friend do live visuals, which reacted to the sound, so that'll be the video that I'll be posting. Cool. Uh, Is like there anything AI else you want to uh, anything else you want to promote before uh, we all say goodbye? Oh gosh, I would say the last thing is if you're looking for good Florida music, Orlando, Florida, look up French Press Lounge. If you want lo-fi house music, that's the local artist, not even in Tallahassee, that I would be promoting right now. And Miracle Roy in Tallahassee. So those are two bands, French Press Lounge, Lounge the label, and Miracle Roy the band. Cool. Well, Steve, thank you so much for uh, being on the show with us. Definitely, definitely. Had fun. Thanks for having me.